1: Hello, I'm Roshan McDonald, host of the weekly Money Making Conversation Masterclass show. The interviews and information that this show provides are for everyone. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start living your own. My next guest is Keir Spate. He is a sickle cell warrior, and when he was diagnosed, he was told he would not live past 11 years old. Today, he's a sickle cell survivor, Hollywood television writer, co-host of popular Steve Harvey Morning Show, hosts his own show in Atlanta every Saturday and is a touring stand-up comedian. He started a foundation called Cure's Hope for Sickle Cell Survivors and hosts his motivational podcast, Living Your Life. Success is part of his future. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Kier Space. How you doing, Kier? Hey, Mac. How you doing, Keir? brother? Well, Kier, you know, this is going to be a journey because I want to make sure people who walk away with this interview understand that people can tell you expectations, people can try to predict your future, but it really boils down to the people around you mm-hmm. and also what you want to get out of life or the effort that you want to put into your dreams. Start me off with being told of being aware that you wouldn't live past 11 years of age.
2: Uh, you know, when I go back to that part of my life, Mac it's, it was always a difficult thing because my parents are young. They were young parents. They were 20 years old. And then here they are at 31 and then a doctor had the nerve to tell them that, hey, listen, don't plan a future for him. Me. I mean, literally, don't plan a future. He's not going to make it past 11. Now, he, I'm seven at this time. You know, I'm seven years old. So he's 37 years old. So now they think about the next four years, we're going to start planning a funeral. And at that time, they didn't really know what sickle cell was. They had no idea about what it is to be a parent, having a child with sickle cell. And for them, it was devastating. For me, as a child, not knowing what death meant, it was just for me, it was like another day. They told me, listen, um, we're going to have to make some changes according to your life. And then when I passed 11 and I made it to 15, I'm scared at this point because I'm supposed to be out of here. And then now you look at me today, I'm still here. So I never believed in the mantra of hey, this is it for you. And I didn't know at 11 years old that was going to be a definition for my life. Like, hey, you'll never make it. It it really didn't have an effect. All I had is chance. That's all, everything I did was based upon chance. I'm going to take the chance because you already told me that I wasn't going to make it past 11. Now here I am at 39. I have a career. I'm doing this, but I also realized one thing, Mac. There's somebody coming behind me. They're going to tell the same thing too. Talk to
1: me about that because you're sickle cell, you have sickle cell disease. Yes. Now, a lot of other people out there would, uh, would come people who might see a disease that might, uh, uh, illnesses that might be terminal. Mm-hmm. And they might go, hey man, I, I, I'm, a, I'm looking for the exit plan. I don't have a future. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different stuff. You went past 11 you was 15. Did you play sports in high school? Was you a social in high school? Absolutely. How was you Absolutely.
2: Uh, when I was playing sports, and and my dream was to play in the NFL. That was my dream. And I was a running back out of Texas. I was ranked, and I was this. I was really good at football. I loved it. I loved the strategy of football. I loved the game of football. Right. And when I was playing, that doctor told my mother when I was 11. And I, my number in high school was number 11 because I wore it with passion. Everything I did was based upon the number 11 because that's the number y'all told me. So if we need 11 yards, I'm going to get these 11 yards. Right. Everything it didn't matter. Um, but the doctor said, well, I got kicked off the team in high school my senior year, the year I had the scholarships that were up for, you know, me to go play college ball. And they took it from me. And the thing about that was it hurt me so hard. I cried. I cussed the whole coaching staff off because I've been in this one program and then one player comes in and tells the team doctor that I have sickle cell and they snatched me off of it. So now they just they didn't just take me off because I had sickle cell, they took my future too.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's how I felt. They took my future. And the thing about it was, I made a decision at that moment in my own mind uh, that I would never let sickle cell take another thing from me. Nothing will be, ever be taken from me based upon my habit of having sickle cell. The team doctor told my mother, she said, Well, we, we're only doing this out of side of caution. My mother stood in there and my father was sitting there. And my mother said, why would you take something from somebody? You wouldn't want to take it from your children. He's my child. He said, well, he could possibly die. My mother said this. And this is why I take the chances that I take and the things that I do and how I respond. She said, if he does die, he died doing something that he loved. Right. That was so important to me, which propelled me to the next point of my life. Because I started doing stand-up at 19. Right. 19 years old. 19 years old. 1999. <laughs> Who inspired you as a stand-up? Who inspired you? It was so many, man. At that time, man, you got to think about what was happening. Def Comedy Jam was happening.
1: Mm. See, my parents
2: were the parents that let me do what I wanted to do. Right. I think because I had success at the time. But I was watching Def Jam. I was watching everything. I was watching Martin. I was watching Eddie Murphy. I right. saw Richard Pryor with my grandmother when I was 10. So I knew <laughs> it was always in my future. You know, I saw Steve Harvey, I saw Bill Bellamy, I saw Martin Lawrence, I saw uh, 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 Lavelle Crawford, I saw uh, Cheryl Underwood. I was going back to high school doing they sets in the comments when, before we had started class. Did y'all mm-hmm. see what this fool said? And that was my thing. And so it was always interwoven into my, I pretty much knew about 14, this is what I was going to be doing.
1: Right, because it right.
2: was in me it was in me too hard right. it, was, it was just in my character too hard I was always doing the church plays I was not only were i doing the church plays <laughs> I was five characters in the church play because there was nobody more talented than me so I was right. lazarus i was i, I was <laughs> i was uh the wise man I, right. right. I, mm-hmm. I was everybody i was punches pilot I was everybody in the in the church play, because I would go back there change. I I was the only person in the church with a quick change booth. I'd go right. change, come back out. <laughs> I was a demonic man. I was everybody in the church play. It's like, what talented? He can play all these characters at one time.
1: Now, in, in the, the stand-up comedy, that's an extreme from your lifestyle, you know, as a person who has sickle cell. You know, yeah. sickle cell, you watch the commercials on TV. They always talk about the pain. They always talk about the struggle. They always talk about the time limit. You know, there's an old number, 100,000 people. It's been around for 15 years. 100,000 people have sickle cell. We all know that's not true. And we want to make those changes. But as you start going up that stand-up comedy ladder, start people start looking at you different. Your parents start looking at you different. How did you start to feel when you start making people laugh? And then it started inspiring you to say, I can do this too, correct?
2: Yes, it was. Um, you know, <laughs> going up the stand-up ladder was for me was nothing but a uh, another challenge is what it was, but it was something that I knew at the point I had the gift to do. Um, the challenges that I was facing at that point in time in 19 wasn't good in 19. I just had probably three, four jokes. That's it. That's all I could do, but I worked at it. The first time I got booed, I knew then it didn't deter me. I just went home and started trying to be better. I started watching other professionals do it. I said, okay, cool. Then I started getting to know these guys. And then I started to hang around. Them. Then I started learning. And then I would start letting my pen write. And then I started learning how the things that I need to talk about are not the things that other people want to hear. You just start telling your story. Right. And right, then, right. so then you start thinking about, you know, Matt, when, when, when I first met you and we were doing um, – the auditions for Comic View. Crazy right, situation right. in the world. Because mm-hmm. you were selecting talent back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we're talking about in 2001. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there, and then I'm mm. sitting here, and a lady comes up to me, and she starts talking to me, and you already told me, just sit down, shut up, because I tried to introduce myself to you. Said, right. hey man, right. I know who you are. Sit down right here. You made me sit next to you. The mm-hmm. lady comes up talking to me. I didn't say nothing. The lady starts talking. I said, ma'am, you need to go away. And then you <laughs> cussed me out and told me, would you like somebody talking when you on stage? And I didn't even do nothing. <laughs> no nonsense because you were specifically there to see talent. Right. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I, I was going this ladder. So then you gave me the opportunity. That was mm-hmm. the year on Comic View. I got a standing ovation on Comic View for the jokes I was doing. And Mac, You didn't even stay around. You had left. You was done. You already knew what you had put together. And so then I knew then. I said, I can really do this. Nobody had to applaud me. I was looking for the applause. I was looking for the pat on the back. No, you really could do this. Y'all left me in that moment. Let me have that moment and said, you know what? You have it. You can really do this. And that's what I knew at that point in time, at 23 years old. So no matter what what I was going to be faced with, just like (laughs) everything else I was doing, Mm -hmm. there's challenges you can always overcome with the right support of people.
1: How did you position yourself to be 2002? You know, you met me. It was a BET Comic View audition. And then you're on tour. What Just people listening, watching the show or listening (laughs) to the show. What did you put in place uh, what did you, how did you, how
2: did you make that happen? First of all, I was humble enough to listen. Mm-hmm. First thing I had to do was listen. Mm-hmm. Understanding that I didn't get in the way. I, didn't, I never, I knew I was talented. I never let it get in front of what I was, my end goal was. And I'm still right. the same way today. I was able to listen to the people who are already there. They're already in the position that you're trying to get to. So I remember right. when y'all had the, uh, when y'all had the new op, Y'all had new no, y'all had the uh, uh, exhibition for all the networks and y'all brought us down there to do something. right right and, and I wasn't even, even yeah I wasn't even doing comedy I was just acting right mm-hmm. I remember Mr. Harvey sitting in there in the audition one day when we were rehearsing and he said hey man good job he said I don't know you brother he said but uh, I'm gonna see you again I'll never forget when he said that. Mm-hmm. He said, it, it's not me that make you nervous. It's that red light on that camera that's going to make you nervous. If you can mm-hmm. overcome that, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> 10 years later, he hired me on this show. Right. See, <laughs> see, he said, I don't know. See, I went out before he hired me on the show. I remember James Thomas called me and said, hey, man.
1: His barber. James Thomas, his barber. Yeah, yeah, his barber.
2: James Thomas said, hey, man, Mr. Harvey, I know you want to come on the road and open up for him. And I'm thinking, at this time, I'm nobody. Do you know how many people you got to go through to get to me? Right. It's a list of people mm-hmm. that you got to talk to before you even get to my name. Right. But the fact he, he, he saw something, I just remember 2002. Now, we in 2009 now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Miami, and I open up for mm-hmm. him. And Mr. Harvey came out, and he said, brother, great job. That's what I'm looking for. I need that young right. energy. -hmm. then I remember Mac. You called me and said, "Mr. Harvey want to hire you on his morning show." Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there. The Steve
1: Harvey Morning Show. On Steve Harvey Morning, national platform.
2: National, dog. Is
1: that is that a big enough
2: red light for you? Okay, you (laughs) talked about is that a big enough red light for you? (laughs) Hey man, I just remember what I was doing, Mac. I was watching college football. Right. And you ask me, hey, Mr. Harwin, can you come meet him at his ranch tomorrow? Dog, mm-hmm. I turn that TV off, start packing bags. I was there Saturday. <laughs> I just need directions to the ranch.
1: Right, right. And then he told right.
2: me what the mission was. Right. And then that's when the journey really started. See, everything else was just prep. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I'm actually on the mission and the journey. And mm-hmm. my career just <laughs> catapulted.
0: Please, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide
3: If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8 and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com/strategic. That's oracle.com/strategic. oracle.com/strategic.
0: Master Class. Welcome back to the Money-Making Conversations Masterclass, hosted by Rashawn McDonald. From that one, that
2: one moment.
1: You know, when I think about this, and think about the journey of what you're dealing with and um, overcoming the odds, you know, people, but then meeting people who can care less about sickle cell. You know, that wouldn't that wasn't an introduction into the conversation about are you sick, are you healthy? Do you have you know, it's like if you allow that to be your calling card, if you allow that to be your opening statement, if you said something like, Hey, I want you know, if you say I want you to do I want you to do the comedy tour, you didn't say, Hey, by the way, I got sickle sale. You know what I'm saying? No. That was you know, and that's what a lot of people will tend to do. They want to put a roadblock in front of their dreams unnecessarily.
2: Some information should not be shared, correct? Correct. It it does not even have to be shared because I made it a point because I want to lead with me. Right. Not what I have. Mm -hmm. My introductory will always be me. See, I don't need the pity party. Mm -hmm. You give me a microphone, you put me on stage with anybody, I go toe-to-toe with anybody. I don't care who it is. Right, 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 right. Dude, I don't, I, I've never, ever thought that I could never be the funniest person in the room. I never thought that. Uh-huh. I never operate like that. Uh-huh. Now, has that gotten me in, in, in trouble Sometimes, Yes, because people fear your talents. That's just uh-huh. who it is. Uh-huh. See, I never take a day off from my talents. My uh-huh. goal is, I don't care who the headline is, did you see me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I never said, did you see me? Because I have single cell
1: as as we go through the process of uh developing your career um um you came in as an actor when you are 19 you want to be a stand up comedian mm-hmm. then acting took on... well you, I don't want to say what, what acting where you know were you doing role plays or yeah. what were you doing out there
2: yeah to, I, get, I,
1: to build your acting
2: career yeah I, I did about uh about 5 years of my career was doing stage plays uh huh and uh you know um who jack with. Some names we know Gerald Levert. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, Essence Atkins, Miguel Nunez, Carl Payne, uh, Patrice Lovely. I mean, it, it's so many of us, man. It was so many of them. I met them, uh, Robin Gibbons. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, but they, they, we we'll on the road for nine months, you know, right? And so, Essence, you know, like you see these people, man, and these are people that you develop friendships with. Right, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I mean, it was it was a different life for me because in the plays, I got to do stand-up. My character would right. have set in the plays. My character <laughs> always was want to be, I don't care. You can tell me I was a UPS driver, but his dream was to be a stand-up for me. <laughs> and, then, and then, man, on the road, when I was doing these plays, man, I had to earn everything, man. I was not only just doing the plays. I was driving the cast to the show, taking them back to the hotel. I was selling the programs and intermission. I was acting in the play. I was doing the introductory. I was doing everything, man. And I wasn't making but $800 a week. That's a nice amount of money
1: now. $800 a week now. <laughs> well, 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 you know. well, They we were putting could, you up, right? They were putting you in the hotel, right?
2: Yeah, we was in the hotel, man. Were they feeding you? No, 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 no,
1: no. Oh, wait. Your, oh yeah, your, these food,
2: your food came out to 800. <laughs> hey, 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 you act like we all, we all Broadway. Right
1: <laughs> oh, so, so a lot of buffets, yes. a lot of buffets hey, in yo, your life.
2: These black people, dog. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't at the, the uh, 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 Hall of Renaissance Theater. No. Right, 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 on right, right, right. Oh, I awesome, had to go awesome. get it. I had to go right. get it. But well, see, at the same time, it became a challenge because they said I couldn't do it.
1: Let me ask you this, because now you're really speaking, a a, a, a conversation that, because we're about to go to another conversation in regards to, you know, being a brand ambassador for Endari, uh, you know. Yes. But before that, Junior, I did the Steve Hard Morning Show. I was there mm-hmm. uh, on tour. I saw you. I saw you do BET's Comic View. Yeah. Where was the sickle cell disease? What was all these... These 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 uh, crises that pop up. Mac, why am why, I why not seeing this? There
2: was one time you saw, it, you just didn't know it. I didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I always introduced myself first. I didn't. Have. When we mm-hmm. when, the next year when we did Comic View in L.A. and they didn't air that one, but I was on stage. I was in crisis then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I came up after Mark Curry, and I was on that show. I was in a full fledged sickle cell crisis, and I still tried to go do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. you walk by me and you say, dog, you can't go out there with, with that, man. You can't do that. Uh-huh. And at this point in time, you got to stand now. I have no insurance. So I spent a majority of my 20s and early 30s chasing my dream with no insurance. Uh-huh. And that crisis was happening. And yet I still told you in the beginning, I would never let sickle cell take nothing from me. Good, right. bad, and indifferent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I meant that. It already happened to me. I was not going to let it happen at a moment in my life where this could change my life. It didn't work right. out at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But the crisis was happening. But I never showed anybody when I was going through it because I was ashamed to talk about it myself. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think people would understand. Everybody would look at me like, oh, he's just weak. He's just weak. Man, don't look at... That's why the challenges that I'm faced with, I have to take them as they come. Because I'm not weak. I'm not that I am talented, but, but society wants to tell you because you have sickle cell, we have to keep we have to we have to treat you with kids gloves. We got we got to you know, we have to take care of you. So now you're gaining popularity.
1: You know, I'm sure you can tour by yourself, filling up comedy clubs, and still became a, being a powerful um ambassador or advocate for people with sickle cell cuz you have sickle cell how did you become an ambassador for indari and what is indari first of all
2: uh indari is a medication it's a powder that i take every morning and um it's like uh giving you a boost a start uh to feeling normal uh you know i have i have not had the issues i have with my sickle cell because of indari I just live my life now. Now, I feel like I really have a shot at just feeling normal. Right. You know, because I do have the chronic pains, the chronic fatigue. I do have that. I struggle with that, and I keep a heavy schedule. But Indari will give you a boost to feeling like, hey, man, he's, you feel normal. You feel like, this the, is, is this what normal people walk around feeling like all the time? It's like mm-hmm. you just got to the party. Mm-hmm. That's dart. Mm-hmm. So I had met um, Dr. A. He came on the morning show to promote Endard. He said, "Hey man, I want to get you on this drug," and I did. So then after that, they saw the benefit for me having sickle cell, being on the platform that I have, and they said, "Hey man, we want to get this drug out here and we want to help other people like you have the success that you're having on the drug." Mm-hmm. I said, "I would love to." And it grew into a really great business deal for both sides to actually change the world and what we're doing. And I I didn't want to take the deal because you're going to pay me some money to just say, oh, take and dark. No, no, I didn't, I didn't want that. What I wanted them to do was, if I do this, then you have to commit to giving me this. You have uh-huh. to give me your 100% as a business to help me help y'all get this out here because we have to go out here as a unit. And they believed in it. They believe in their drug. And Dr. Nahara said, yes, I love his passion. I love his, his testimony. I love the way he talks about it. I love the way he represents the success. I love the way he talks about how he wants to succeed and how he wants to bring others along that's what made the deal good for us.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And
2: then so we started living your life. So when I started doing living your life, that became, because the sickle cell community didn't have that. There's no way, see, I started thinking about when I'm no longer here, can a kid with sickle cell turn this on, look at it, and they have a roadmap to success for their own life. That's what I was thinking when I started living your life.
1: Junior, Keir Jr. space, Keir Spades, straight out of Houston, Texas, traveling the world based in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, going on one year, married to your beautiful wife,
2: yeah, living man. the
1: life, living your life.
2: I'm living my life.
1: <laughs> living your life. But more importantly, I just want to sit down, man. And I felt that your story is motivational. And I wanted to share with my Money Making Conversation Masterclass audience because a story has been told that when people tell you you're not supposed to do it, don't do it you've been told all of your life not supposed to do that and you've been doing it and you've been very successful and you continue so what's the future i got the award show i got the steve Harvey morning show i got is it acting uh yeah or, man. Or, or,
2: yeah yeah mac you know like um you know I'm, I'm in the process to be honest with you i'm in the process of planning um my comedy special yeah. uh same time yes i want my own um sitcom because i want to I want to showcase that part. You look, you look like you're 22. I'm just saying you're a young-looking dude. You
1: can throw out that 40 if you want to, but you're a young-looking dude. Now. Hey
2: man, I ain't looking. <laughs> no God be good too. to you. Or Sickle Cell be good to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, God be way better, man. Uh, but yeah, man, I want I want to do all these, things, man. Like you know, I'm in the process of writing a sitcom, man. Uh, I, I have so many aspirations on that endeavor. You know, mm-hmm. and um you know, I I really wanna show uh people with sickle cells that hey man, you can be successful as I am. Not maybe in my field, but it would ever fill you in whatever field you're in. And that's the the goal. That's what we're reaching for, we're striving mm-hmm. for. And man, I'm telling you something, man, until there's no more breath in my body, right. I have done everything that I said
0: I was gonna do.
1: Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Magic Lesson. Hey man, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you,
0: brother.